0: Episode 74, Cool Button Hockey Podcast is underway. What an exciting time of the year it is, Craig. Great job on the OHL final. Memorial Cup around the corner. There's still great hockey being played. And of course, silly season, Stanley Cup final. Let's talk about game one. The right team did win. The right team did win. Takeaways from game one. And let's look ahead to game two. Let's start there, Mr. Button
1: Okay, so my takeaways from Game One uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning, beginning with, it looked eerily similar to Tampa Bay versus Toronto Game One. Toronto won five nothing. It looked eerily similar to Game One Tampa Bay versus New York Rangers. Rangers won six two. And the comments post game by the Tampa Bay Lightning players were eerily similar. Yeah, we got to adjust to their speed. You know, that's something we got to. do. good team you know, everything that goes with it. No kidding. We, we know they're a good team and Tampa Bay knows they're up against a good team. But in the course of that game, I thought that Tampa Bay found their footing and I was, you know, and that's what you got to do uh, because one thing about the Colorado avalanche, they can steamroll you and, and they can steamroll. you Like it, it's like waves, you know, when you're on the beach and the waves just keep coming and coming and coming. that's the Colorado avalanche. So that being said, I thought that the Tampa Bay lightning, but going over to the Colorado side, two things that really stand out for me number one when it was three3 they settled into a game they understood what game they were playing it wasn't like they were going to keep forcing what got them the three-1 lead they said oh boy Tampa Bay is playing this you know we're we're on the we're, we're in our bunkers and and we're gonna hold our ground here and I thought I thought Colorado did a nice job of it the other thing about Colorado we, everybody talks about their speed and, and it's obvious but their speed also, is so tremendous number one in transition and with their defense, their defense sometimes are the first option on the breakout. If, if that defenseman is open, that, that defenseman goes. That's something that the, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning have not had to deal with. They have not had to deal with that type of transition speed with their defensemen sometimes leading <laughs> the transition. That's something that I, th- that, that I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to really have to adjust to, but You know, uh, bottom line is, I I think we're in for a heck of a series here. And if game one is any indication, the back and forth, the fourth and back, I think it showed showed those elements that we should expect in a Stanley Cup final with two top-notch teams.
0: It was a great game one. It was a great game one, seven goals. Yeah. There was some sloppiness. Um, When you get seven goals, you get some goals that you dissect and say, Oh, it's a bad goal. Well, it was deflected by Bogosian. Well, the first one was a bad goal. Not sure about Kemper on the uh, Nick Paul goal, but that's just what you do. And to your point about Colorado, not wavering and playing, even though they weren't trailing and they weren't leading, but playing like they we're leading three, three. That's kind of one of our storylines going into the series. Could they grind it? Could they play that style? This ain't Nashville. This ain't Edmonton. A little bit of the blues, maybe because the blues have a pedigree to them, but this is different. So that part of it was very encouraging for Jared Bednar. And the other part that we slowly threw, I mean, When you talk about X and Y and Z and Z and so on, but we brought about a lot of things in previewing, but one of the things that we did discuss was the wild card that is Bo Byram, like the wild card. And you just alluded to it. Usually the D to D up to the winger, but when it goes D to the winger curling to the far defenseman who goes, Oh, we haven't seen that. There goes Bo. There goes Bo, and he was third in ice time. He had more ice time than Johnson, Johnson, and Manson. And he set up the first goal, and he's a luxury right now. He's a luxury further down the lineup, below. you're not down the lineup when you're third in ice time. That's something even the Leafs don't have at that part of the lineup. The Rangers don't have that on the 5-6. Uh-uh-uh-uh. So that is a weapon. That's a wild card. That's a storyline. So that's fun. That's different. That's exciting. How Tampa counters that. How Tampa counters the speed. How Tampa loses and gives up, Like you said, five to Toronto, six to the Ray. Like, hello, do they, do they not care about game one? Are they doing the alley rope-a-dope? Go ahead, hit me. It's only game one. Like, that's the part that confuses me a little bit. But, you know, there'll be a bounce back, I'm sure. There'll be adjustments, I'm sure. It's just interesting that they gave up four, five, and six in three first game losses. So they'll be better. I just find that very interesting.
1: Well, you remember, yeah, like, it's so funny. I I remember during the Toronto series, oh, boy, Vasilevsky's not the same Vasilevsky. Okay, well, be careful about going game to game, you know, and understand that Vasilevsky adjusts as well as anybody in the game as a goaltender. Same thing was said about, oh, the New York Rangers, they've cracked the Vasilevsky code. The Avalanche better be careful. Like, you know what? The next team that cracks the Vasilevsky code will be the first one. So <laughs> you better keep playing because there's a lot of parts that Andre Vasilevsky understands. So, you know, no, no fuss there. You, you talk about bowen Byron. And, you know, there's certain players, Steve, is, you know, you watch teams and you watch players in certain organizations, Right. Bowen Byron is, is not only an elite player, but he's built for the style that the Colorado avalanche play. Imagine if he was in a different system and, you know, and it was more of a, okay, we're like, you said, D to D up the ice. Like the way Bowen Byron plays is the way Kale McCarr plays, which is the way that Devin Tays plays. We're going after you and our defense are a big part of it. Michael Dick who was Bowen Byram's coach in U15 and in, and in junior with the Giants in the Western Hockey League, he, uh, he's, he, you know what he called Bowen Byram? A 200-foot defenseman. A 200, like, you know, I'd never heard that, that, that phrase used for a defenseman, but he's, I think he's spot on. And so it's not just that Bowen Byram has these magnificent skills. He's also encouraged to play that way. And the way the Avalanche play in transition and we're moving, we're moving. Like they're not a, they're not a train in station waiting for everybody to board. They're saying, you want to jump on, we're going. And that's what their team does, and that's how they play. So, you know, Bowen's a confident player. He's an elite player. He's he's gonna be in the conversation in years to come as as one of the top defensemen in the league. I, I don't know with McCarr there if he can win the Norris, though. <laughs> They might, there might come a time when the two best defensemen or two of the top five defensemen in the league are on the same team in Colorado and McCarr and Bo Byram.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know eventually when everyone has to get paid what the money situation is. I'll say this much. With the embarrassment of riches for Colorado on the blue line, they won't be able to have McCarr, Byram, and Samuel Gerrard. Together, like the, that, like that, that might be redundancy. If Byram and Gerard are the same player and have the money they make, for now it's fun. It's too bad Gerard's hurts But do you think they can afford all three of them? Samuel
1: Gerard is not anywhere near the class of player that both Byram is. No, but,
0: be- but but he's another left-handed defenseman who's skilled. So if Byram moves up to the second pair, could you have Gerard on your third pair making that kind of money? So I don't think they'll be able to keep all three.
1: The bottom line is, like, teams change every year, Steve. Like, teams st- change every year. Like, and, and the salary cap, all I know is this. I Like, Bo and Byram, like, you know, when, when you're allotting money, you allot the money to the players that are difference makers. Sam Gerard's a real good player. Bottom line is, that's the player. He's just one of the players that might have to fall off. That, 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 at the end of the day, that's, what, that's what's going to have to happen, you know, because you, you can't afford every single player. You use the word luxury. Bowen well, Byram isn't the luxury. Right now, Sam Gerard's the luxury. Yes. And there comes a point in time when, you know, you just go, okay, we, you know, we, we, we can't afford, uh, you know, this, the, the, this fourth, you know, BMW, you know, we, we, we got a Lamborghini in my car. We got a Ferrari perhaps in Bowen By- and, and Devin Days, you know, oh boy, you know, he, he, he's darn good in his own right. So somebody has to fall off. There's no question about it. And yeah. there should be lots of interest in Sam
0: Gerard. But, yeah. that, that, but that's the reality of the salary cap. Yeah, I, know. I agree. I, I know. Yeah. Maybe Joe could trade him to Montreal for a forward. Whoa. Hey, let's not go there. Okay. So uh, speaking of a forward. Why,
1: did, why does every French Canadian player have to go to Montreal? It
0: like just why? It just came up during the Sergachev stuff. It just, it's sitting there as low-hanging fruit. Sergachev has a great game. And then Drouin starts trending. That's the the world. I I stayed away from it. I I stayed away from it because it's not fresh news. It's a newspaper that's wrapped in fish from yesteryear. So that fish must be old and stinky. So anyway, um, advantage I'd like to see for Tampa moving forward is Brayden Point on the third line. So I thought he was fine. He's got to get acclimated. You know, when we start slotting and not breaking up the Hagel, Sorelli and Kalorn line, although it'd be nice if Kalorn scores, but you know, they're playing great defensively with Ross Colton, with, with Nick Paul, and now Brayden Point, that's got to That's got to be an advantage, Tampa. Like, they have to be able to take advantage of no cadre yet. So, will Point just keep getting better? And do you keep him in the third-line slot? Or are you forced to say maybe Kalorn down, Point up, as he gets more comfortable, Craig? I don't know how to play this, but it is a wild. Hey, look, if Byram's a wild card, 30 goals in the last three playoffs, Braden Point must be a factor for John Cooper. Must. You know how to play
1: this, you you do, and but uh, what, what I would uh, you, you nailed it in my view when you talked about Braden Point getting acclimated. It's almost five weeks since he played a, a playoff game, so getting acclimated is getting up to the intensity, getting up to the pace again. You know, when you're rehabbing an injury, you're trying to get you're trying to get that injury. Is close to hundred percent. So you can play again. Now, now you got to get your playing up to that level on that intensity. And, and I, I thought Braden looked fine. I, I really did. I thought Braden, I, I, I was watching his skating in a stride. I thought he looked fine, but the quickness of the game, how, how, you know, how much time you have, how little time you have and everything, that's where he'll adjust. And here's where I go to you, you know, and you know, John Cooper, and you know, yourself, it, it, when you look at it all, John Cooper is a master at being able to maneuver to to switch players around. One of the great things about the Tampa Bay lightning that I don't think it's talked enough about is their individual IQ as players and their collective IQ as a team. They are so smart. They're so understanding of who they're playing with and what each player does. And, and John Cooper has the luxury of moving players around. And, you know, so do, do I think Braden point will stay in one spot? I mean, not necessarily John's going to look at it and, and understand, okay, here's what we need a little bit. How can I open up this player? How can I use this player on that spot? That's the, you know, when we talk about two coaches playing chess, that's what Bednar and John Cooper are doing. They're playing chess out here, high level chess. <laughs> and when you can move your pieces around the board and you know what what's the big thing with chess? You want to be on the attack without leaving yourself vulnerable. Both these coaches know how to do that.
0: Yeah, this is called the Stanley Cup gambit, right? And there were times that these guys were playing chess against other coaches and teams who play checkers. And that's one of the reasons these clubs have hopped over other teams. And we saw it late in, I think it was the first period, there was like 10, 12 seconds who came out, 86, 91, 21. So right away, John kind of let Braden know I'm, um, you know, we're, we're moving quickly here, maybe not too, but we're giving a shift with the big boys. So how that plays out is really good. And Craig, it had so many storylines. Uh, Obi is panicking about Darcy Kemper. Marty Buron and I are on the same page where Darcy just has to be a seven, seven and a half, which he probably was in game one. If he's a seven, seven and a half and Vasilevsky, who wasn't a nine and a half in game one, but is in the series, will that be good enough? Is this, and as soon as you name a goalie like this, people get angry. Um, anti Niemi or maybe Corey Crawford. I, I don't know who we can say in the modern era. Just don't, like, don't give up a goal from 132 feet and we'll be fine. Like, we will be fine. Is that how good Colorado is, your level? Because I'm not worried. I think Kemper will be fine. Others are not so sure. Where do you land on the Kemper scale?
1: Two places, you know, and, and the names you mentioned. What, what about Chris Osgood? Chris Osgood, who personally I think should be in the Hall of Fame, you know, and like, you know, you think about, you know, Mike Vernon wins the Consummate Trophy in 97, gets traded, and, and, and not only do they come back and win the Stanley Cup, keep in mind, Fedorov didn't play most of that year because he was in a holdout. You know, the the, the tragedy of the Vladimir Konstantinov accident, right? Thrusts now Chris and like you think about th- th- they've won the Stanley Cup, they're a top team and now Chris Osgood's the guy that's got I-, I heard the same things about Chris Osgood in 98. In 2008 I can guarantee you this if Chris Osgood doesn't get into the net and help them, you know, get through the first round, they're in big trouble like the, 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 uh, the Detroit Red Wings so when I look at, at Darcy Kemper and, and listen I think Chris Osgood had a fantastic like, well, I-, I think he's a Hall of Fame goaltender based on, based on his, uh, what he did overall. So that's where I see Kemper. Yeah, I mean, like, are, are we going to put Darcy Kemper in the Patrick Waugh, Dominic category? No, nobody's saying that. And I agree with you. So that's number one. Like, Darcy just go and be Darcy Kemper. Be the best Darcy Kemper you can be. But back to what we said earlier. Also, the way Colorado played. They said, hey, we're going to play that. You said it was like they were in a 3-3 lead. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> lead. I thought that was really, really something that was... uh, a a So if Colorado plays like that, if Darcy Kemper is just the best Darcy Kemper, the best version of Darcy... Like, there's no problem there. No, you can't start asking Darcy Kemper to be something he isn't. And the Colorado Avalanche can't start to play in a manner that forces Darcy Kemper to be something he isn't. I have no worries. I have none.
0: Is there any storyline... That is open that we've seen so far. Anything about special teams, goaltending, Braden Point. You know, we see one game, and we only have one game to to evaluate. And sometimes we overhype one thing, and and maybe you know, not hype up something else like we talked about this like look at the series and the storylines and the set the marquee matchups the goaltenders the power play uh 71 on 29 the speed the skating it, it kind of gave us a lot of everything like, we, we we weren't left out like they didn't you know it wasn't like mccarr didn't show up or wasn't dancing when mckinnon gets going i'd love to be at the rink and watch those two guys go i mean what a play by kucherov and palat unbelievable um you know maybe stammered wants more grade A chances. It kind of set the table, didn't it? Like what we saw in game one, I think we're going to see the same in game two, maybe less sloppiness, maybe a little bit tighter goaltending, but it kind of, it, you know, if, if it was a trailer, I think it gave us Top Gun, you know, 2.0. I think we're, those jets are fast. Like I, I think it kind of set the table for what we're going to see. I don't think there's any surprises, no rock left unturned, Mr. Button.
1: No, I no. I, and, and there shouldn't be any rock left unturned. And I wouldn't expect that to be the case. What I would say is, is that when I go back, uh, uh, when I go back and I look at the St. Louis series versus the Colorado Avalanche, one of the things I thought St. Louis did well in that series that they weren't able to sustain for probably a few different reasons that we don't need to get into now, but when they, when they were able to, you know, get, get the puck and bodies to the net and like inside that crease area, inside that inner slot, right. It created some real problems for the Colorado avalanche. You know, Colorado tries to combat that by putting pressure up higher and up ice and making sure that you don't get a chance to get the puck to the net and bodies. It's not just the puck to the net. Pucks to the net don't matter if the bodies and the players aren't there. Think back to some of the successes that the St. Louis Blues had. Crowding the net, crowding the goaltender, getting the puck there, finding plays in and around that. That's where I think that, to me, that's where I think the Tampa Bay has to be able to force Colorado into what i would call an uncomfortable game i talked about the defense how quick they are well don't let them skate let them force them to defend in and around their net force them to defend in and around their net that's what i I would like to see
0: yeah (laughs) i like that i i I really like that and uh, before we get into the silly season and our uh prediction for game number two i also think that even though it was a five on three and we can argue yes or no and everything else. And I like Sorelli and Gordy Dwyer talking. I thought that was a great little clip of uh, and what, you know, and we can argue that it was a penalty. We can argue it wasn't. So it doesn't matter. They, at the end of the day, they scored is that Tampa had an it factor when it went to the man advantage. And then Perry was in point spot points. Now back that it factor is, is gone. Like the Rangers had it. I still believe Colorado has it. Tampa needs that to be able to save a 3-2 game late or win a 1-1 game in game four if they're down in the series. Right now, that je ne sais quoi is not there. It's not. As the series goes on, that's something I'll be watching as a storyline. It's not that they don't move it around. It's not that they don't get chances. They now need the kill. Sh- they, they, it's great. You look good. You feel good. But you got phone numbers. At the end of the day, that's not going to do. They need to put the puck in the net on the power play as part of their five-tool, you know, offense. Right now, they're missing that screwdriver. They're they're missing that magic moment that I think they're going to need, Craig, if they're going to win the cup. If they're going to win the cup.
1: Agreed. And, and, And that's where we come back to 21 Braden Point. You know, again, so you you know he's such an instrumental part of that. You know, you got Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman and Kalorn in in, in, in that front in that net front area, right? And then, you know, you have now Braden Point who can do so many different things. You went back to assimilating back assimilate. This is another part where you're trying to assimilating Braden back into the into the team, into game situations, and with that group. You know, he missed a lot of games. He missed a lot of games. Now now assimilating back, I agree with you, has to be something that works for them on the power play. And there's a huge difference with having Braden Point on that, with that group and not having them. I would expect it to be much better in game two. And I I think that that is a factor in the five tool uh, kit for the Tampa Bay Lightning.
0: Speaking of game two... Time now for KB on Ice, said inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Craig, Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook, 19 plus, play responsibly. Game one, Colorado. What about game two?
1: <laughs> what about game two? We know there's going to be a game two, right? <laughs> All kidding <game laughs> aside. You know, as, as I watched it back. All I could see was similarities between for for Tampa Bay versus Toronto in game one and versus New New York Rangers in game one. You know, trying to adjust to a different style, the speed of both those teams, Maple Leafs and the Rangers, you know, created some uh, problems for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think that that's what happened with the Colorado Avalanche. Colorado, though, what I really impressed me about Colorado, they rooted into their game. When it was 3-3, they said, okay, this is how the game's going to be played. We're going to keep playing it. I was really impressed. Now, what I saw from St. Louis after they got obliterated in game one by the Avs, a real adjustment in game two. I fully expect that for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not so sure they're going to win game two. I like their chances for winning game two, though. That's what I'm going to say. And so, you know, I-, I see this series coming back to Colorado, 2-2. I think game five in Colorado will, after completion, will, will put one team up three games to two. Who it'll be, it'll be interesting. But I really do see this as a 2-2 series going into game five.
0: I'm in the same category. I'm in a Tampa Bay bounce back, Tampa Bay power play goal. Vasilevsky puts up a 0-1 or 2, which should be good enough. Or it could be a short series, and we don't want a short series. So we're on the same page. Longer series, but Tampa bounces back at some point. Why not game two? So if you want to jump on that, go ahead. With the most competitive odds, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see what sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button. That's sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook 19 plus. Play responsibly. That's the final story. Now. Lots of hockey news. We're in silly season, the coaching carousel, State of the Union, and you have to explain long-term injury without f- making people fall asleep or drive off the road. But first, John Tortorella, if it was you, and you've been in this spot before having to hire an experienced you know, coach who's got cachet, yay or nay, will John Tortorella work in Philadelphia, Craig? Well, let's define
1: work. Okay. Like, you know, John Tortorella is a really good coach. Like, there's nothing like this is not about John Tortorella, you know, in his coaching. Keep this in mind, though, his last seven seasons coaching missed the playoffs three times, won one playoff round in his last seven seasons coaching. You know, now th- that's a reflection on some of the teams he was with. Which the reason I say that is, he's going to a team that's not very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Philadelphia Flyers are not a very good team. They're, they're simply put, they're not. And I look at the roster and I look at where they're at, like i don't see a team that's ready to make the playoffs, so you know is John a good coach? yeah he's a good coach. Is he somebody that can get a team to maximize uh you know the individual talents of a player and 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 the abilities of a team collectively? We know that John can do that but but what is that ability? i don't think it's a playoff team not not me i don't see it as a playoff team I don't, in fact. I mean, if, if he could be in a playoff race in March, I think that would be a heck of a coaching job, you know? So that being said, you know, like John Tortorella is, as a, as a coach hire terrific, you know, for John, I mean, John knows the league. John knows what he's, what, what he's going into. And like any coach, you have a belief, but John might be in a similar situation that he was, you know, in Vancouver, when he went to Vancouver and Columbus, after they lost Panarin and Bobrovsky, <laughs> You know, those were, those were situations that were pretty darn good. Right. But I don't see the, I don't see the uh, Philadelphia Flyers as a, as any type. Of, I, I don't see them as a playoff team at all, at all.
0: Yeah, I don't either. So I think this is a fun way to dissect it. And we all have personal relationships in the league. Some people we care about, some people we don't care about. And You know, I like Chuck Fletcher and he's been good to us as an example, right? But I could see John Tortorella outliving Chuck in over the four years. Because put it this way, I don't think the Flyers are making the playoffs in year one. If they do, great for John and great for Chuck and great for Carter Hart and great for Sean Couturier and whoever else is there. So let's say they miss, but they get better. And then they, they're in and around it in year two. If you offered a flyer fan right now, year two, I think they better take it. What if they miss in year two again? Now we go into year three of this four year deal. And John may be saying, this guy, I can't win with this guy. I can. Win. I think the way this goes, is going to be very, very interesting Mr. Button because the flyers aren't building, they're chasing it to use a gambling analogy. They came to the casino with $1,000. They've been there for a while, and I think they got about $450. they are not leaving. They're not retooling. They're, they're, they're still spending. They're at the black chair. They're, they're, they're in. They, they're waiting for the better shoe. They're, 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 they're waiting for the, the round little ivory ball, and they're putting their money on these guys. I don't know if I'd put my money on these guys. I don't know. And maybe John's in to say, okay, one last chance. Let's give it a shot. I look at that Eastern Conference, even with the Bruins getting worse, even with the Capitals getting worse. um, I I don't, I like you don't have Philadelphia there. It's going to be interesting though. Post game news conferences and what the Flyers are all about. I don't know if you agree with my analogy. Like the Flyers have spent, like they're in, they're not, going the other way here they're they're going to make the playoffs like trying to it's going to be really intriguing when the talent doesn't seem to match what the realism is and if they get if they get in this year mr button i will take a bite of my ob clark's hat i'll i'll eat part of my hat here this year because that will be something special if they get in the playoffs in 2023
1: you don't have to eat your hat. Like, you just tip your cap to them. Don't eat Hit it. Cap, because okay. No, but here's what I say to people. And, and it's the same thing. Like, okay, stand up and tell me, like, put, put your stake in the ground and tell me that you're wrong or I'm wrong and tell me that the Flyers are a playoff team. And then put your stake in the ground and then tell me why. There's not a problem with that. It's the same thing that happened with the Montreal Canadiens heading into the uh, uh, 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs. There was no indication that that team had any chance to, to win a playoff series. And like I said, after, I mean, I, I, I put my stake in the ground and everybody after the fact all knew, and I was the idiot. And I just said, well, I'm just, I just want to know who said it ahead of time, who said it. And who said it after game four, when they oh, scored oh. a total of four goals in four games, nobody. nobody, so like don't eat your hat is what I'm telling you. Steve, did you ever watch Molly's game? Yes, true story. Remember Molly's game? Loved it. So she was running. That's that's based on a true story. She was running that. She went from uh, L.A. over to New York and she was running that high stakes poker. Right. You remember the guy that she had, she said, was the best cold blooded poker player that that, that they had. And he he just did everything by the book. But do you remember when he panicked? And so he'd lost two hundred thousand. 400,000. And so now he's lost 400. Now he's trying to make it up. Now it's 500,000. And then he loses 500. Oh, I'm going to make it up. And now he's trying to not now. Now he loses 600,000. Your analogy about the Philadelphia Flyers. They don't know where they're at. They don't realize where they're at. They're trying to serve a, a fan base and perception of, Oh, we can't be in a rebuild. Oh, we're the Philadelphia Flyers. Philadelphia Flyers haven't been relevant for a whole lot of years. And if you want to be relevant, stop chasing the past get into the future, recognize where you're at. I don't see them there. I talked about them. What's their identity? What, who, what are they? What are the Philadelphia Flyers? What and who are they? And when, you, when anybody has an answer for me, it'll all come back to what they were in the past. They're not that anymore. They're just another team on the schedule and they're a team that uh, uh, opponents come in and go, ah, we, we'll, we'll beat these guys. We'll take our two points and carry on. That's what the Philadelphia Flyers have become.
0: I'm with you. Uh, Bruce Cassidy in Vegas, different story. I'm a big Bruce guy. I don't know if you are or not. Um, you're pumping your fists, so I, I think you are. If I'm Jack Eichel, I am also pumping my fist. We had Mark Stone on who admitted that he thought they would have been to a few cup finals if the power play was better. And if they scored clutch goals, he likes them five on five for the most part. But there were moments, even five on five, that they, they lacked the je quoi. The shot, the goal when it mattered. And look at the talent. They got too much talent in theory to, to lack goals. Bruce Cassidy comes in and he wants to finish the job. I love it as a hire. I think the power play is going to be special. You know what he did with Bergeron in 88 and 63. He's a smart coach. He's got so many great little set plays. So Vegas now. Did they get it right behind the bench?
1: Yes, they did. And and, and let's—I'm let, just going to rewind a little bit on Bruce. So Claude Julien, darn good coach, right? Darn good coach. They'd missed the playoffs a couple seasons there, and they replaced Bruce or they re- replaced Claude. Bruce had been an assistant coach. They'd won the Stanley Cup. They played a certain style. You know, when you looked at it, like you know, they didn't give up much, but they didn't create very much. They didn't create. And what did Bruce do? Bruce went in there. Same personnel, same group, and he helped them be better. And you know where he helped them be better? Don't be fooled. Everybody talks about five-on-five with the Vegas Gold Nuts. When it got to the hard games, they weren't very good five-on-five. They had the puck. They liked having the puck. Inner slot shots, slot shots, not very good. Rebound chances, not – they didn't get into the middle of the ice. They didn't attack inside the dots and around that – What the guts of the action. When Bruce Cassidy came into Boston – into Boston – He was able to take the same group of players and change the way they focused on creating offense. It became excellent. I think that's exactly the same situation in Vegas. Peter DeBoer is a really good coach. And Mark Stone can talk about the, it's not just the power play. Uh, You know, oh, look at how many chances. Tell me how many inner slot shots they had. How many many slot chances? How many rebounds? They never did. They never got into the heart of the matter. And that's why they didn't go deeper with that talent. And they got pretty deep. I'm not here to knock, you know, to me, Bruce following Claude did a magnificent job. Bruce following Peter, Peter's a good coach. But Bruce is now trying to take it to that next level that Mark Stone talk about. And he's got a talented group, just like he had in Boston, just like he had in Boston. And I think Bruce is a great hire. He's a great coach. And I think he, he it, it, when I said they got it right, this gives the Vegas Golden Knights an opportunity to now start thinking again about the Stanley Cup?
0: Mark was great. He was honest about the bubble helmets. Uh, he's not convinced. He was honest about the dressing room. Like, no cliche. He was really good. Um, opened and honest about uh, where they're at. And he talked about himself, that he's ready. And they're going to treat it as a, not a lost season, but learning in the way Tampa did. Tampa missed, turned it back around, and look what's happened to them. So that's great. Craig, how does, without glossing people's eyes over it makes financial sense Evgeny Dodonov for the long-term injury relief of Shea Weber so explain why it's good for both teams and does this mean price is going to end up on long-term IR is that one of the reasons Montreal needed to clear that room how does this work?
1: I can't speak for Montreal. I can't speak for Montreal. I and mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Kerry. I don't think Kerry knows yet. I mean, Kent Hughes has said, we don't know. Kent Hughes has said, we're going to give Kerry a lot. He says, I'm comfortable going through a period of time here to understand where Kerry's going to be at. So let's just focus in on the Shea Weber trade. So number one, long-term injury relief is a real significant part of the CBA when it was designed back in and, and what it is, when you lose a top player, like, you know, you want to be able to, to, to go out and, 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 and replace that player. And, you know, when you're trying to replace really good players, there's a cost to it. So LTIR was put in place to help that. Now, obviously, we've seen teams now use it as a mechanism uh, w- with respect to the CBA. Fair game, right? Like the next, the, the next CBA that's perfect in any industry will be the first one. There's no such thing. You know, you, as you start to use it, you start to understand I'm going to just kind of go off a little bit off to the side here. you remember heading into the GM's meetings in 2022 after the trade deadline? All the media blather about, oh, long-term injury reserve is going to be a big subject and everything. The GM spent maybe 120 seconds on it. 120 seconds on it. So it's a lesson. don't, Don't listen to all the blather. Because there was nothing substantive that was ever spent on LTR. It's part of it. You've heard the commissioner, Gary Bettman, talk about it as well. So that's what it was done. Now, simply put, for the Vegas Golden Knights, this gives them $7.8 million of more cap space. That's what it does. That's what it does for the – because now you can replace Shea Weber. He's on your run. It's the same thing they tried to do in getting Ryan Kessler. Just it's a different player now. So – you now, when you have a player at 7.8, that's part of your opening day roster. I'll get into that in a quick second. But now you can now replace that $7.8 million. It might be two players at 3.9. <laughs> might yeah. be three players at 2.5, right? But now you can replace the, the, those dollars. It doesn't have to just be one player when you're at the cap. And, you know, when you when you look at Shea Weber, he's only owed $6 million over the next four years. So now, so you're investing now, you're, you're saying, I'm going to spend $6 million to be able to work my salary cap and my roster in a different way. The challenge, and there's going to be some cap gymnastics that have to be played out here, is the opening night roster. Because opening day roster, you have to be cap compliant, and Shea Weber has to be on the opening night roster. And then once that, that's put in and you're cap compliant, then you can put them on LTIR. So there's still going to be some a little bit of cap gymnastics and a little bit of maneuvering that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to have to do at the beginning of next season and the beginning of the following season.
0: So if you had the 7.8 and getting rid of Dodonov, they in theory got 12.8. No, they got
1: no, no. you don't get 12.8. You, the 7.8, you know, it, it, it just gives you room above, like, a, because you have to use the 7.8, it, it, you have to be over the salary cap. If you want to use the full amount, you have to be at the salary cap.
0: But they traded to Donoff, so they got rid of five million from him.
1: I, I know, but you, you, they also didn't have Mark Stone, and, and look at all the other players. Just go look at their salary cap. Okay, okay? so the becomes one part of it. But trust me, next year the eighty-two point five, the Vegas Gold Knights are going to going to have ninety million dollars of, of salary that they're going to be able to work.
0: Okay, and who if 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 a guy like Weber retires, where does the real check come from? The team, insurance, a combination. I mean, remember all those guys that retired with back injuries and after a while the insurance company went, that's enough of that. We're we're paying a lot of guys who right at the end of their career had back injuries and blah, blah, blah. So Weber's getting six million. Like, he's getting his checks. He's getting a million dollars. Not if dollars. he
1: retires. Not if he retires. If you retire, you don't get paid. Marin Hosa never retired. He waited till the contract ran out.
0: Oh. So it's how you creatively
1: step away. No, well, don't do it. It's called long-term injury. He's got long-term injury. He can't play. Ryan Kessler, long-term injury. He can't play anymore. Well, Shea so, hasn't
0: retired officially.
1: Well, neither has Ryan Kessler.
0: Right. Okay. So they're getting paid. Absolutely. If you retire, you don't get paid. Okay. <laughs> that's Is how it works. Point? Is there a broadcasting wing to this? But anyway, <laughs> uh, before we say good, that's great information. And you're the only one who's explained it because nobody else probably knows enough about it to explain it. So, uh, final thoughts brought to you by Ultimate Hockey Fans. Go to ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod to get our discount on ceiling fans, puck light fixtures and whatever Paul Cohen wants to make for you. Final thought, Mr. Button, you go first.
1: Well, you you know, I can't go here without talking about the Memorial Cup. You know, the Memorial Cup, it's the first time the Memorial Cup is going to be played since 2019. You know, well, TSN covered the Western Hockey League final, the OHL final, and the Quebec League final. And, you know, to, to be part of the OHL final, it was, it was terrific hockey. The Windsor Spitfires led by Bill Bowler and Mark Savard, fantastic season. Hamilton led by Steve Stales and Jay McKee fantastic. But you know, you got three league champions playing at the Memorial Cup. You talk about a hard trophy to win. We know we all talk about the Memorial Cup is right there as, as one of the most difficult trophies to win. Not only do you win your league championship, now you got to go there and face two other league champions and a host team. And St. John's a good team. So to be able to, to, to see the communities get behind their team, Windsor and Hamilton, unbelievable, you know, support. The hockey was great. Coaching was fantastic. Mark Savard and Jay McKee are going to be, and like you're going to hear their names as potential NHL head coaches in the, in the near future. Steve Steos is an excellent executive. He, he's got a path to the NHL. The Memorial Cup is, uh, is, is a real culmination of not only top championship teams but players that are going to be playing in the NHL in the near future. I always call the CHL, watch tomorrow's NHL stars today.
0: I love it. I love it. And someone who's called games, been around games, gone to games um, from the old Marlies to the generals who are down the street. Well said, Craig, uh, great job by you. And we're looking forward to that. I guess I tag it by saying and listening to the state of the union address, Gary Bettman, Bill Daily, that we're, Kind of over it. It's kind of done. We maybe it'll never be done or back to normal. But you said Memorial Cup for the first time since 2019. Where we were and what we've been through to give out cups in 2021 and heading into 22. I just want to say, Bravo! We're there for those who argued why the cap's only 82.5. That was already discussed. If you don't understand escrow, talk to your accountant. We saw some of the tweets. Like, come on, we're we're getting there. And it's going to be great to watch the Memorial cup, the Stanley cup being handed out and the season start next year, October 11th, Craig, I guess a pat to almost everyone on the back to say, we kind of did it together and hopefully we'll never have to go through it again. But when I look back and see what the kids went through and everything else, kudos to them, the families and the parents. I don't know if you think it hurt the old fours in, you know, in Canadian hockey, but I see a lot of kids that turn like they're making up for lost time, Craig. There's a lot of spring and summer tournaments going on now and kudos to the kids that had to stay inside for a year and change. I, I, I hope that they're out there doing their thing and that they can blossom as great hockey players and young men moving forward. Craig, I really, really do.
1: Well said, Stephen. I think that I, I, I think the hope, the belief that we have in young people to not only be successful in what they do, but to, to be, you know, beacons of light for the future. And I think they're absolutely that. And, you know, it's so wonderful to, to, to see them, you know, being able to do what they love to do. And that's in all walks of life, you know, pursuing those dreams, going to university, playing hockey and whatnot. I'll finish with this, Steve, before letting you sign us off. Uh, The NHL has, they should be in my view, and the, and the NHL Players Association as well. This isn't just when I say Hawk. They should be put up as posters, poster people for what you can do when you're open-minded, you're nimble, you're agile, and and, and you, you're looking at different ways to come through it. I think since March of 2020, nobody had experience with this. Nobody. And I think what happened in in the NHL and other leagues, so I'll talk about hockey too, but the NHL and the NHLPA were leaders in this. Tremendous what they've done. And they should be looked at as those leaders for advice. And here's what you, not not in dealing with a pandemic, but in being agile, creative, open-minded, and finding solutions that can meet what the challenge is at a particular point in time. I'm with you, Steve.
0: Well, I like what you said. If the Flyers make the playoffs, it's a tip of the cap. I'd like to give a tip of the cap because I know this guy since he was 17. To Mark Savard, still good for you, Savvy. Uh, And to Jay McKee, episode 74, and Steve Stales, good luck at the Memorial Cup. Uh, If you don't know much about it, stateside, tune into it. It's special watching what these kids are all about. So we have uh, two major championships still to be decided. The Memorial Cup, and the Stanley Cup. More on both. Episode seventy-five. When we came, uh, come back. For Craig Button, Bruce Bolton. I'm Steve Cooley's. Be good. Be well. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Ciao.